Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. When you understand this, like people are actually paying more money to have less content. Less is actually more because what you actually get is like in higher level programs, you don't just get more stuff you actually just get streamlined stuff where it's like, here, just do this. And so what you're paying for when you're making big investments is actually time. Hi, I'm Mark Groves. I'm a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. At an early point in my life, I became obsessed with understanding relationships, the intricacies of how people connect. And through this exploration, I have created a life and a business dedicated to learning out loud and exploring how we interact with each other and the world. This podcast brings the world's top thought leaders, spiritual luminaries, physicians, scientists, researchers, best-selling authors, and health and wellness experts under one roof to discuss the good, the bad, the messy, and of course, the beautiful parts of the human experience. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I can't wait to dive in with you. Mr. Dan Harrison those of you that haven't been introduced to my good friend here. He's the founder of Soulful Sales. He's an incredibly good friend of mine. He's a coach, mentor, all the things. Brother, I'm happy to have you here. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Philosopher of the human experience. We get into some great discussions. So I'm excited to record one finally. Yeah. We've had some journeys, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Both in the psychedelic world and on the regular world. True. <laughs> so, so let's this one's sober, everybody. We are not on mushrooms. Not yet. That'd be an um, interesting one. That, that actually would be very interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I recommend it yet. We'll have to see how we feel and then venture into that world maybe next time. We'll break down some of life's most complex things recorded, then listen <laughs> to see if it's worthy of being even considered. Yes. <laughs> so you're the founder of Soulful Sales, you know, and that's obviously a company that really resonates with me, but maybe you can explain to people what you do and, and why you do it. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting, Soulful Sales is an interesting expression of a seemingly like lifelong 
journey of trying to reconcile two seemingly opposing pursuits, interests, which is, you know, the quest of understanding the hell is this life about? <laughs> understanding my existential angst. Yeah. You know, trying to reconcile the nightmare dream I had when I was six and my whole family died. I'm like, just like, what is this life? Wow, that's a scary dream as a kid. It was. It was. It was. I, it's like one of those like pivotal dreams that somehow I can still remember. And um, yeah, has like shaped a lot of the questions that I ask in life, which has shaped mm-hmm. a lot of my life as a result. But then secondly, it's like, well, if I'm living in this world, uh, I'd like to, you know, make money, get rich, do it. If I'm going to live here, would like to have a lot of money. <laughs> so just like... The trying. ride is certainly easier with a few extra dollars in right. the pocket. Right. I, you know, I've had both and would rather have money than not. And so, yeah, just like soulful sales seems to be an expression of of those two pursuits and interests. And, uh, you know, what it is we do now is just like helping, I'd say, like experts, health coaches, therapists, naturopaths build their business online and create meaningful, you know, deeply impactful transformational offers and selling those programs or services in a way that feels good. That mm-hmm. is like where sales can be a spiritual practice because it's relational mm-hmm. and it's relationships and entrepreneurs are you know bringing ideas and creative and and their purpose to life and serving people and so to me these things have like over time just become the same pursuit almost like they've reconciled and yeah now it's like a true like just an honor and a blessing to like serve the people that we serve like just I'm blown away by like I'm learning stuff from our clients just every day that I'm super grateful to be learning about. Yeah, it's fascinating. So many of the people in the pursuits that you're talking about, therapy, coaching, naturopathic, you know, mm-hmm. medicine, any type of medicine, you know, generally they're not taught the business side of things. You know, they're not taught how do you take this zone of genius and monetize it? And I think one of the most challenging things about being self-employed is that really every time you put something out into the world, your worth is can it, it's such growth because you see that if, a, if, if an offer fails, you know, so to speak, let's, mm-hmm. you know, as in doesn't generate any sales, mm-hmm. uh, it's often seen as I'm a failure. My ideas suck as opposed mm-hmm. to actually you're just being informed that that specific one is not for the customer that you're trying to sell it to, you know? And so there's so much personal growth in every aspect of relational. And just to add to your idea about sales, I've been, I was in sales my whole uh, career life, other than a brief stint at a golf course in the maintenance department, recognizing that (laughs) just not for me. And it started at like five 30 in the morning. And, uh, there was no soul attached to my right. sales process at Future Shop. It was, how do I manipulate this person Yes, to get them to buy this thing and then make sure they get an extended warranty on the thing I just sold them as valuable and reliable. <laughs> but just in case it's not, I'm also going to now 
sell you this extended warranty, even though it already has a warranty. And I'm going to convince you that this is a different. I mean, I think about it. My soul was vacant in the act of selling extended warranties, but it was in the pursuit of making more money. Right. Even if I'm not sure I believe that this person even needed the warranty, you know, it's crazy to think about now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, similarly, I was in finance and in finance, you're essentially, uh, a salesperson. You're selling investments and you're selling insurance uh, when you work inside of the institutions, more so than perhaps advising. And at the end of the day, there's just like the companies or, and you start to see a shift and there's definitely companies who do it well, but companies who are in this old kind of model or paradigm where it's profits over everything, that's what's wrong. <laughs> with the way that we've structured everything. And yeah, it just like comes down to core values and maybe like lack of awareness. I'm curious then to ask you, you know, what would you say has shifted for you, you know, being somebody who's <laughs> selling these warranties, primarily focused on making the money, right? Making you probably get a yeah. nice commission. 20% on every dollar from the extended warranty. Yeah. Right. So then to like now selling these these courses and beautiful you know they're really like pieces of art in what you've created and just yeah curious to hear from your journey like how do you and pharmaceuticals before that and mostly just curious like what has been your relationship with sales going from maybe manipulating to focused on the money to like what it is you're selling now that seems like an interesting journey yeah that's a good question i'd say the first part and i'm curious to hear years from finance to soulful sales. I mean, I did believe in the products I sold, like whatever TV it was. And that's not true. The very bad ones, the cheap ones, it was a hard time believing in those, but just because they weren't reliable. But as a farmer rep, I always sold stuff that was I did at the time believe in. It was only one time when I sold a product. Listen, like a doctor wasn't going to switch from one product to another if it was inferior. That's not happening. But I did sell a product that really didn't offer any better. There was no benefit to switching. And I was definitely not embodied in the sale of that because, you know, it's like, eh, like you're actually making a pretty good decision already with what you're using. So I'm not sure you should switch. That's not a great sales uh, strategy. But I just, you know, they'd like say, yeah, but it's it doesn't do this or it's not that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> like. Okay, I guess you're not going to buy that thing or prescribe that thing. To now, I mean, I really do believe in people, if they're feeling called, to be ushered through the process of whatever challenge they're having, which ultimately, like, my work has always been about, not about making your relationship last, but really you finding yourself. Like, you might find this work or this podcast through a relational desire, but inevitably, you are just invited to find yourself, to discover more about yourself, empowering mm-hmm. yourself, which empowers your relationships and empowers the world. So I guess, you know, one level, that's that's definitely, I just feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like it's just different, I guess, because I'm selling something that is correlated to my values, my purpose. my And that, that was true based on the perception I had as a rep too, till it wasn't, till I had to not do that anymore, you know? Well, it's interesting, right? Because it's like one is a belief that you had in what you're doing or what you're selling. But then it also sounds like, you know, to me, sales is really the art of 
helping people find the problem and find a solution to the problem. And, mm-hmm. and above all else, that's it. And if the solution isn't the right solution for the person, then don't buy it. <laughs> but right. And then it sounds like, yeah, just like in your own journey to from like selling with pharmaceuticals, there's a belief in the product. But as you went into entrepreneurship, what's maybe grown more and I think is probably required is like a belief in yourself and a belief in like what you're doing, what you're offering, and like a confidence that you're producing something that is good. Mm. That that like confidence. Uh, and I think that that's what you know. Entrepreneurship really offers something beautiful, and why you know I want to promote it not just because it's a way that you can create more freedom in your life, but as a road, like you you have to come up against your own stuff in as an entrepreneur. Hundred percent, yeah. And so it's kind of like a fast track of like evolution and personal growth, and you're like forced to learn. Uh, and you develop yeah. a faith, and this is kind of where you know, if I was to bring in like this, like the soulful element of entrepreneurship, in a lot of ways, you're like creating something from nothing, which is such a beautiful mm-hmm. process, right? Of like literally bringing nothing more than an idea, intangible. I like I got this idea for whether it's a book or a course or a product or whatever, and you're like. You're going to turn it into something physical, tangible, that exists out in this world. That is such a beautiful process, a, a spiritual process, a creative process. And uh, in doing that, at least for myself, like I can think about in my own journey. And, you know, I left finance because I was in there for 15 years and in corporate finance and kind of like learned the system backwards and from the inside out and realizing, like, wow, there's nothing really about this system that is serving the people that I want to serve. It really serves institutions and, and shareholders. But the everyday person, you know, for the most part, gets stuck in products and what it is like 40% of income is going to tax and another 30, 40% is going to banks and institutions. And then somehow thinking like we're really free. And so <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that, isn't it? It's, Wait, you're just Buying your freedom, it's perfect. Right, yeah. So it was just like once, and once I could kind of see from the inside, I was like, okay, I can't work in this, you know, when you know better, you do better. And so it was like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do it my own way and built a, like a fee-only money coaching practice, really, what is what it was. And it was just to bring more transparency and truth and honesty and like not selling products, but actually just helping people with the behavior elements, like how we relate to money. And that was really co- like just like a, a cool process, but it really forced me to look at like what was working, what's not working. I had to get over just like fears of putting myself out there, being judged for what I was doing from you know all the friends that I had in the industry. And then part of that is like this development of faith that I think was something that I developed through this process and have been developing or cultivating because there's literally this gap between what's in your head and having it exist out here in the real world. And there's this gap (laughs) of this gap of time, this gap of just like, you can see it, you know it as an entrepreneur, as a creator, but nobody else can for the most part. And there's this period of time that you're sitting in where you need faith 
that people and that the universe has kind of got your back and that people are coming to support you and that once it gets developed, you're like, wow, there's no way, at least in my experience, there's no way I could have built what I built known that that was the way it would have been developed or that that was how it would happen and that it only exists as a result of so many contributions from so many different people and the iterations and the feedback and the development of this is like just a collaborative soup (laughs) (laughs) that ultimately ends up creating the thing that was just, you know, in, in my head and through that process, yeah, there's just like a deep faith in something greater than my own perspective, than just myself. And I would love for more people to experience that, to like really, you know, to go for, to go for it. And it's scary as hell. Yeah, it is. It, it is, is to take that leap. And I love how you said faith, because that's what gets cultivated when an idea about a thing becomes a thing, but in the time, you know, there's a gap, there's a space where you're not sure it's going to become, you're not sure. Mm. And then it's a thing. And that, I mean, that's a process. That's a spiritual journey in and of itself to know that, you know, I even think of the things we go through in our lives that drive what we're passionate about. Like you don't know your challenges with money and wanting to understand it. and, And all that stuff would lead you to also wanting there to be, soul in in which of course like what a concept to think that in the products we're creating or especially because people like i think maybe more now than ever but that could just be my perception people are taking what they're passionate about and they're taking like a, a therapist might no longer work at a practice anymore run their own operation but now have an online presence and then decide that they don't want to necessarily see clients one-on-one Mm-hmm. or patients, whatever they might refer to them as, that they they want to actually scale their knowledge, right. you know, and build a course or whatever it might be, or even have a, a landing page for their practice that is about driving more people to book an appointment, whatever the desired behavior is. But like, I like what you said about sales. Like when sales is embodied mm-hmm. and like the, pro- the product is embodied and integrated, then ultimately it is about selling getting someone something they need yeah. that they're glad they found totally. you know and like when i sold an extended warranty it wasn't necessarily <laughs> that wasn't the outcome but it was with a lot of other things but i think that does definitely change like the intention most people who are creating then like i think one of the challenges of entrepreneurship can be till you can afford to hire someone to do something you're mm-hmm. learning how to do it all yourself. Totally. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like where you invest first can make a huge difference. And especially if you invest in the ability to convert your ideas, yep. you know, which then liberates you to then have more space. But I think most creatives spend so much time doing all the other things that mm-hmm. they're not in their zone of genius most mm-hmm. of the time. And then, and then it becomes a job again. And that's, of course, the challenge. Right. Like, well, and there's this interesting, you know, process that kind of happens where I like Robert Kiyosaki's framework where I think it's cash flow quadrant where he's talking about the different mindsets that someone might go through where it's like you're, there's employee mindset. And if you're an employee, it's like nothing wrong with it. it. It's just like you value different things. 
right. you, you'd probably value like security and stability and certainty. And then self-employed typically values freedom and mostly like, yeah, their freedom. And then there's business owners and then there's investors. And each of these are like different mindsets that you kind of go through. And what happens is like on one side you've got employees and you've got self-employed and on the other side you've got business owners and you have investors. And the biggest jump is that going from, because a lot of self-employed um, people, like one of the first gaps, if I think about the gap I jumped from working in corporate to self-employed, I basically just created a new job for myself where I was working more hours and making less money, but doing it my way. <laughs> uh-huh. And and you just kind of like create like a new, yeah, like you said, like a new job. And that jump though from going from self-employed to business owner is like is such an identity like it requires something it requires like an evolution to you becoming like a new version of yourself right and 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 in doing that that's where you're able to build a business because now you're building systems and you're building teams and that's when you can sit in your zone of genius and and in the beginning this is maybe just like my own thought like in the beginning sometimes you just got to eat some shit and do <laughs> build a like you got to <laughs> You gotta do the things that you don't necessarily love to do, yeah, or it's not you're not passionate about it. But it's like it's the things that are gonna actually get you clients, build a base, so that you can. You have to do. You have have to. to, There are things like I do think the barriers to entry are much lower. You know, like someone will say, "Well, I need to get a video camera and a professional mic." It's like, no, you don't. You just need an iPhone. That's all you do. You can, and maybe a tripod, but a book works great to lean it against. You know, you have to always start before you're ready because you'll never be ready, especially for something you've never done because Mm -hmm. you'll, you have no clue what ready even means. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like, how do you even know you're ready to film a video about something you're passionate about? And, you know, you're, you're going to get it wrong many times. But, you know, like you have to provide customer service. You have to probably do your finances for the first little bit, mm-hmm. but still get an accountant. Everybody still definitely, get an accountant. Definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you like you do become like a jack of all trades. Yeah. You, know? and, you have to for a bit. Right. But, but then it's like once you, once you do that, then you know, like you're a builder. And you can build stuff that other people can do for you. And at the end of the day, like in the beginning, you mentioned like cameras and mics. I get lots of setup is good. I've invested some money in cameras and mics and stuff. But none of this stuff really helps me make any more money. None of this stuff matters. What actually matters, what actually matters is really simple, is being of service to other humans with whatever you create. And so most people spend all this time marketing or even learning sales or building funnels or getting whatever. If I could go back in time or if I could like tell people like where to focus, it would literally just be on whatever your offer is. Like spend all of your time on creating something awesome that people would love, that you would love to like share with people that you're proud of because that you're confident about that is 
probably going to be crappy the first iteration. But if you like stick with this process of like, I'm going to build something, you put it out there, you get feedback, people rip it apart, you change it, you take the feedback, you make it better, you keep doing that. And you do that for a year or two years or three years. Like over time, you end up with something amazing that you're proud of that wasn't just created by you, but rather like a whole community of people who gave you that feedback. And you have something that's like unique, it's yours. And that is when selling is easy. You're not trying to manipulate it into anybody buying the thing. You're like, hey, I got this thing. I think it's pretty cool. You want to check it out? Mm. And, and there's no manipulation in it. You're just literally just showing it to as many people as you can and finding ways to share your work with more people. Yeah. And I feel like so many people have got like the equation backwards where they'll spend maybe 20% on what it is they're doing and 80% on trying to just like the things that aren't necessarily going to move the needle. Mm. You do kind of get a sense when people are just presenting what they're offering to the world from a sort of state of zero fucks, you know, yeah. but like lots of fucks about what they're offering, but zero about whether you like it or not. Right. Like in the sense that the right customer will like it and the not the mm-hmm. right customer won't. And that's totally okay. It is operating not from a scarce perspective, but rather from a trust faith, as, as you said yeah. earlier, a faith-based perspective but you believe in it so much because you've spent the time actually saying, what would I pay this right. amount of money for? And then you're like, oh man, I'd pay for that. Like, I would love to do this. Yeah, I think it's such a different way of thinking because it also, I'm curious, especially if you're working with people in these professional avenues that come from paradigms or identities, you know, mm-hmm. there's like an archetype to sort mm-hmm. of like a therapist or a coach or a naturopath or a physician or like a medical uh, yep. practitioner, practitioner, right? Like there's all these paradigms of what it's supposed to look like. And I would mm-hmm. imagine the challenge of carving out an offer right. might require you to totally shatter that identity because you're like, wait, we don't do things that way. I mean, we there's certainly been a large pushback of this is what this is supposed to look like. This is what this is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes our offer looks nothing like that. And it, isn't that what makes it innovative or disruptive or whatever it is? To give like a really clear, just like example of this is mm-hmm. the misalignment in the way that people present what it is they're doing. So for example, most of the professionals are trading their time for money. So the, the clients are buying their time, but that's not actually what the client wants. The client actually wants like a particular outcome, a transformation to be healed. Uh, And so why is the offer, the thing that you're selling, not connected to the people that you're trying to serve, like the outcome that you're trying to create, but rather just around your time? It's like, it's actually just backwards. So whereas if you were to create something, and this is where there's an amazing opportunity right now, because there's an old broken model. And the only reason I got into this space is because, you know, my wife is a therapist and she was going through this whole journey of working with a clinic or working in private practice and navigating different contracts. And, you know, and then I was just looking at, wait, is this the normal way that people are doing things? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what? Like the clinic is taking 50% of your income? Uh, You're like a employee and 
it's a good model as a, I guess, as a business owner or a clinic owner. But wow, there's something broken about this. And so that kind of started it, or getting an awareness about how these professions are are kind of structured. And the way that we look at it is, well, what would happen if you, like you as an expert, if you took, if you started to focus your energy, you started to focus your expertise, you specialized in something, and you didn't try to help everybody. You just tried to help people that you're most passionate about and with a problem that you can most certainly like help people resolve and heal. Mm-hmm. And instead of, charging transactionally by trading your time for money. You charged based on the transformation that you were out to cause. And you you mapped out what is the actual transformation that you want to help people create in their health or in their relationships. And you started to unpack your own genius and create a transformational process that most definitely would help them get better results faster, quicker, be a better experience, more enjoyable. And you started selling that instead of just your time. You start to see, it's like what happens is when practitioners start developing these types of offers is they get more commitment from their clients. They get more buy-in. The transformation happens. They're able to actually be profitable. They can grow their business. They can then afford to hire people to do the other things that they don't enjoy so they can sit in their zone of genius for more time. And it's like, and then that's how you have more meaning and profit and freedom in your business. But it starts with that understanding like how to cause transformation and how to create a transformational offer and then connecting your your prices to that. Mm, psychologically, that's got to be... <laughs> I mean, I would just think that it would be a profound experience first. I understand from a simple perspective that selling the transformation rather than my hour of time is a totally different... <laughs> One is like appeals to emotion. Right. Unless there's scarcity presented in the time, it's just a presentation, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think of why do people buy things? People buy things because of emotion. Mm-hmm. Why do people switch behaviors? Right. They switch because of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what made me good at pharma sales was not that I had the best product knowledge, because I certainly didn't. I just needed to know where did my product fit, but it would be relationship that would transform, you know, that would gain support because people are loyal to people they like. Yep. Even just appealing to the transformation, as you said, it makes it more personal anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious why, because what, some of the data that I found very fascinating is if people don't pay for things, they don't tend to value it. Like that's just true from a consumer behavior. People might say, yeah, but people need free stuff. Sure. But the consumer behavior shows without a doubt, if you pay for something, you're more likely to change it Yep. or do it to actually yep. do the thing. If you pay more for it. Like it's a disservice to undercharge. Yeah. See, I think that's a challenge for, that was one, as you know, because I worked with you. uh, That's a challenge because we don't want to leave people behind or we don't want to be seen as, essentially, like I wanted access to people like me when I didn't have, let's say, the resources to be able to afford something more significant. But I've paid ten grand for a coach to be work to work for a weekend, right. and I've paid three five hundred a thousand for a course, mm-hmm. you know. And I certainly showed up a hundred percent for the ten thousand dollar weekend, right? You know, like you're there, you're immersed. What I saw that was was like an investment in myself. Like I was like, yes. 
no, I'm taking this seriously, this transformation, this thing. And it was starting this business. So that makes sense. Yep. But it was like, I know if I spend 10,000, which is so much money to me. Right. If I spend this, then I'm, I'm leaping. Like I'm, I'm already out of the plane right. and I'm in the air. Cause like that was something I'd never done before. This is the really interesting thing about sales, especially when you're like a coach of some sort or you're like in a service profession because the sales process is actually maybe 50% of the work, right? Like getting somebody to make the commitment to themselves is huge. <laughs> like like that's it. That's the start of everything is right. I'm committing to embarking on this change. So like, our sales process and like what we teach around this idea of like being able to coach the conversion because it's like it's just a coaching conversation usually because inevitably it doesn't matter how much your your program is uh, or your offer is or your services are a thousand bucks ten thousand a hundred thousand it's like no matter what it's going to be expensive to the other person mm-hmm. like it's right. uh, it's actually the investment or the price is it's always relative. So it's about understanding like, well, what do, you, what do you want to relate it to? So what is the cost of you not you know, healing your gut? What is the cost of you not dealing with this chronic illness that is impacting every area of your life? What is the impact of not dealing, healing your, you know, the childhood wounds that are impacting your relationship? And if you really get present to like, the work that these people are doing and these experts and these coaches and what they could be doing, and the, the real tangible impact that they're having in people's lives. And then you look at the pricing or like, <laughs> it's just, there's just this like yeah, a like disconnect. disconnect. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But we live in this amazing time. I mean, weird time and also amazing time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazingly weird. It is there's some good and there's some challenge. There's opportunities for <laughs> yeah. uh, transformation. We'll call yeah. It. yeah, we'll call it that. You can learn about anything now for free. Like you could become, I think why people pay for courses or let's say those, for example, is that someone else went and gathered all that information, learned about it, teaches in a way you like. Like literally you could go consume every single podcast I've ever done for free. You could find tons of videos for free. You could read all my right. There's so much access for free to get anything. And I, I don't know about the creator model moving forward, whether free is going to be really, because I think what's happened is platforms like Facebook and Instagram specifically, but it will be more true of TikTok just as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Facebook and Instagram have really turned people into vehicles of extraction for them. Mm -hmm. And I think creators are feeling this, that like, you know, the future is apps like ours, like mine, where it's about actually the creator being valued at the center. And if you value the creator at the center, then the end user, the user gets the value, right? Like totally. it's such a, I just think the future of that type of, I think creators are whatever. And when I say creator, I mean like people who are teaching anything online, they are feeling the weight of being a conduit for monetization for a giant machine that doesn't, and I say this truth, doesn't give a fuck about Mm -hmm. them. We'll switch the algorithm in a millisecond and kick your candy ass to the curb. I don't know where candy ass came from, but I think it's from a movie. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. 
So you have to create your own business, create your own value, create your own avenues yeah. to really embody and, and personalize your offers and what they are. Well, the interesting thing too is like, this is another kind of backwards thing that I see all the time and that I did, but it's like, we'll tend to perceive the value that we're offering people in the, like, in the content itself or in the, in the information, but the information is, is free. Like you're saying, like, and you give so much content away for free. And so people have access to that. Like, who can't necessarily afford it, like you said, they could literally just spend that time consuming the content and learning what it is they need to learn. And what's kind of interesting is that when you understand this, like people are actually paying more money to have less content. Less is actually more because what you actually get is like in higher level programs, you don't just get more stuff you actually just get streamlined stuff where it's like, here, just do this. And so what you're paying for when you're making big investments is actually time. That's what people are paying for. So the speed at which you can transform or get results is what you're typically paying for when you're paying like pre- premium. Because that is our most valuable asset here. It's the finite, it's a finite asset, is our time. And understanding that connection and why somebody is paying you a premium. It's because you're going to save them time in the outcome or the transformation or the result that they're looking to achieve, whether that's in health or relationships or money or business or whatever. It's like, that's really, I think, like when you're connected to it, that's what people are paying for as a premium. I look at your, you know, you're going, uh, you've got a uh, retreat coming up and it's like an immersion experience, right? People mm-hmm. who purchase that offer versus like a course is going to get to experience like such a deeply profound experience that it can't not transform you. And so there's their pay like a course could never deliver that. And so what they're paying for is actually like the speed of that transformation and the the speed. That's cool. I never thought about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense, you know, to be immersed in it rather than, you know, reading it through a screen. Mm-hmm. There's all different access points and it's not like there's one better than another. They're just different avenues through which we want to consume and transform and all that stuff. And, you know, what are the greatest challenges that you see somebody who's trying to make this transformation from, let's say, being an employee to Mm. entrepreneurship, but someone who's, let's say, moving from one of these sort of more structured professions to actually getting an offer set up and actually maybe really going all in on this business because mm-hmm. it seems like people percolate on an idea for a significant amount of time. You know, I certainly did before I started writing, before I started coaching, before I started Instagram, before I, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the, the kind of words that pop up are, are things like insecurities, self-doubt. It tends to manifest with like a version of perfectionism like um, I need to get it just right or I need to do things perfectly. If you could embrace the fact that it will never be perfect and if you can embrace a collaborative approach, like that you don't have to do it all and that, and if you can embrace like um, a humility of like asking for help and then like 
developing like courage, like real courage to, to be able to share your truth and share your work. You know, and, and so because in a lot of ways, I think there's like, yeah, fear of rejection, um, fear of like of it not looking the right way or doing it wrong. But if you can look at all of that, because that will probably happen. But great, because it's there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually such a gift. And the more you can embrace that, the faster you can like move with that and iterate and learn and grow. And so I think like what holds people back and and it could be like lots of little things but which is really interesting because you start to get into this is where like entrepreneurship is such a a, a container for personal development and personal growth and it's such a requirement to, biggest, to one of the biggest to look at yourself and so entrepreneurship is like it's not for the faint of heart because it's not easy and you're basically putting yourself at issue you're like if i go into entrepreneurship i know i'm going to have to look at myself i'm going to discover things about myself that i didn't previously know for example one of my strong suits is like an ability to create money it's a skill that i have learned but if but actually that strong suit is a is a a mechanism a compensatory measure because of a, a like a a deep seated wound actually and it, you know it has to do with uh dad leaving when I was six, like that whole story. I don't know who told like guys in the eighties that if you're leaving, you should tell your son, like you're going to be the man of the house. <laughs> like was that? When they were six. When yeah. they were six. And he's like, but I, I, I like school. I'm in grade one. You know, right. like that's not my responsibility, I'm dude. Play. I'm just got off training wheels and now I'm supposed to be the man. Of the house. <laughs> right. Fuck. So, but there's like these unconscious, I forgot about it, right? I'm like six and then I go about living my life and doing things. Like, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. It was also around the same time I had that uh, nightmare. Or the dream. Yeah, right. The dream. Where the family, whole, the, all the family dies. And so, and then it's like these unconscious beliefs are just like buried and creating patterns and creating a like a whole narrative of this idea of like trying to be the man of the house and and my 6-year-old version of that is like the man of the house is somebody who can make money and so it's like well I better spend some time learning this like how do you make money but if i never actually explored any deeper than that then i would be stuck constantly just trying to make money but entrepreneurship again it's just like these things or experiences will come up with whatever your patterns are, whatever your, you know, particular internal dynamics and stories and wounds and mixed match of, you know, your human experience. If you go into entrepreneurship and you, you take a self-reflective approach, then you're going to be able to like see things that you couldn't otherwise see. You're going to be able to heal things that you couldn't otherwise heal. And as you do that, you are able to like integrate, become whole, uh, become uh, confident in yourself. You're gonna you're gonna develop faith. You're gonna develop a sense of self that is that is like good, and yeah, and confident. And um, and so I I think to you know a long winded answer to that question of like what is it that blocks people? And it's like these these things like self doubt, insecurity, or or like perfectionism which is all just the invitation to go inwards and like do that internal work. Like, what is this trying to show me? Mm -hmm. And, and sitting with that and 
when you do that, you're just, it's such a gift. And through entrepreneurship, you can become, I think like at the end of it, you start to get a glimpse of who you really are. Not the shell of your strong suits, not the you know expressions of your wounds or any trauma or any, but you like, but the real like that spark, that part of you yes. that is perfect, whole, complete, spiritual, cosmic, and from there, selling your program is like it just is just different. You're not yes to get there is part of it too. You know it. Mm-hmm. I think of entrepreneurship as being like the journey of the exposure of my soul, you know, right. like, yes. like, but in doing it, that's me embracing it and trusting it and like undoing the, the narratives and the beliefs that were handed to me that are not mine, but they get right. in the way, even the fear of failure, like what yeah. is, do, do we define failure as then, right. as opposed to expand, just like rejection. I got rejected. I used, that used to be terrorizing to me but now it's like oh wait that's just more information that's just redirection that's just the universe working it out you know saying hey actually not over there go over here yeah i'm like and then we pine over the not over there not listening to the over here more you know and so i think of like soulful sales it's like you're selling your soul but you think of it like (laughs) that's like the devil you know you sell your soul to the devil but you're literally actually like embracing and selling from a place that is soul. Yes, exactly. Which is a different, everybody should, you know, regardless of whether you pursue that work through Dan or Dan's content, everyone should seek to embody that. Like to, Mm -hmm. it's amazing though, when you have abundance, how much your energetic shifts to being like, yeah, you know, like I know this person who does personal growth, who's like a billionaire. So like every offer that comes out is like, well, you know, and I used to be sort of envious or like uh, resentful of that as opposed to, well, just embrace that energy. Right. Like that's the energy that's like, I love what I'm doing. And it's amazing how that energetic shift really is contagious because people feel it. They go, well, that's actually the energy I want to be around is someone who's teaching me to embody wholeness and and self-expression saying like, regardless of whether you like what I'm saying, I like what I'm saying. So that's actually all that matters, which is, that's a huge learning. It's like, if you can fall in love with the process of being an entrepreneur, as opposed to like needing it to produce a certain outcome or make money or like, like that, if, if you can do that, you win because then it doesn't matter how much money you make or, but like you're, you're in love with the process. I feel like that's probably, if nothing else, when you step into entrepreneurship, if you can fall in love with the process and you can love it for long enough, that over time, you'll figure it out and you'll end up with something beautiful that the world wants. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's about as dreamy as it gets. I think we should eat mushrooms next time and do this and see what we come up with. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brother, where can people find more of you? Yeah, uh, soulfulsalescompany.com is the website. The Dan Harrison on Instagram. And uh, yeah, those, those two spots. Perfect. All right, brother, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you sharing with all of us your process and your insights. Thank you, amigo. That was fun. If after listening to this episode, you're thinking, you know what? I could really work with Dan. 
I feel like he would be a great mentor to grow my business. Well, first off, I don't bring people on the podcast who I don't trust. And Dan is not only a good friend, but he's also been one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. So if you're like, yeah, Dan is the next step for me, then go to the link in the show notes and you can book a free 15-minute consultation. Make sure you say that Mark Grove sent you and he'll hook you up. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.